Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, AKA the Bat Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, do not adjust your podcast. This is a Redux edition. The Michelle Mission is proud to present a review in honor of Black History Month of 2006's Dream Girls, starring Beyonce, Jennifer Hudson, Jamie Foxx, Danny Glover, and featuring Anika Noni Rose. The amazing Anika Noni Rose. No, that's right. In our YouTube premiere review. I guess we should. Uh, did you mention Jennifer Hudson? I said Jennifer Hudson. Okay, okay. <laughs> you were just waiting I for I was just listening for Anika Noni Rose. <laughs> you, right. you were waiting for your cue. Right. That's what right, you were waiting right, for. Right. Um, but no, of course, Jennifer Hudson. Of course, Jennifer Hudson. The Academy Award winning Jennifer Hudson. Yes, sir. In Dream Girls. And the person you have to thank for bringing this premiere to you is multiple award winning podcaster, writer, producer with DCP Entertainment, the great podcast Say Their Name, which we will get into, and also the featured writer on the uh, newsletters Featured Friday and your podcast playlist. Put your hands together. Show your love, if you will, for one Adele Coleman, ladies and gentlemen, Adele. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you, Adele, for being with us tonight um, to review Dream Girls, which was your selection uh, for our review tonight. Before we get deep into the review and to the show, um, can you like give people because Dream Girls is it. We're reviewing a film. Yes. But it famously was first a stage play. Yes. So where did you come in with the dream, your history with Dream Girls, uh, Adele? Was it first as a film or as the stage play? I would say as at the film, because I didn't realize that the song, like the famous, like, you're going to love me, that song mm -hmm. came from a play. I just mm -hmm. had heard it. Right. But I didn't know its origin until I saw the movie. And I was like, oh, that's where this comes from. Mm -hmm. it, it, it comes from a play. So, right. yeah, I'll say the movie. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, certainly the song has had a life of its own. Yes. It really has. Immediately <laughs> after the run of Dreamgirls. So, that makes sense. That certainly does make sense. Yeah. Certainly makes sense. And Adele is, as we mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, a multi multiple award winning uh podcaster and a writer and she just told me it's like yeah i've won some stuff i look she's got like i can't i don't even have enough room mm. on my phone to list the awards that adele has uh one she also works with dcp entertainment she is the writer on the your podcast playlist and feature friday but it's her her actual personal podcast say their name mm -hmm. which is really very interesting is it podcast that covers stories from families 
who lost someone due to negative police encounters. Mm. And I think that's really cool, mm. very timely, right. unfortunately, very important. but very timely and very important um, podcast. How did you get started with Say Their Name, uh, Adele? Um, so I used to formerly work at uh, SiriusXM uh, for a review channel. I oversaw the operations of that channel um, there. And I just remember following like the Trayvon Martin case. And afterwards, it just was like, it just felt silent. Like there wasn't really, we all felt some kind of way, but it wasn't really nothing that we could say or do. And I remember, you know, going to the upper management and CEOs and be like, we got to do something. We got to say something about this. And you know, they were like, eh, not right now, you know, timing and everything. Mm. And then once I left there and came over to DCP, there's always been something that kind of stuck with me because it wasn't so much as just telling about what happens in court, but I thought it was important to remind people that these are people because we mm. lose sight of the humanity side of it. And, you know, especially when it starts being incident after incident after incident, yeah. we're moving on the news cycle, we're losing sight that these are humans, like they have, they have families, the, their communities were impacted, their loved ones are impacted for years and years and years for various things. So, and say their name, we do cover the incident, but we also focus on who the person was before the incident and then how the community and their loved ones were impacted afterwards mm. to give a fuller story of the different layers that one moment in time has. Um, and just to be able to give the families their own platforms. So mm -hmm. Chris is my co-host. He's also the CEO of our company. He and I intentionally remove ourselves from the interviews as much as possible. We'll set them up and then we'll just like sit back and let the family speak because we don't get that enough. We hear all these different perspectives, but seldom do we hear the perspectives of the family. So that was always just something important to me to be able to hear the voices of the families to find ways directly from them how we can support and not just hear from the news and the media cycle. That's really dope. I actually mm -hmm. love that idea of you removing yourselves from the the interview so that it's the parents, you know, the family's voices, because so much, sometimes even just the, the slightest inflection from a media type can can do something to shape or 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 contort a narrative. So as much of it coming from the family mm -hmm. directly to you, it becomes more of an actual conversation, them talking directly to the listener. And it's more of a right. one-on-one -on -one experience. So that's really cool. Right. And unfortunately, there are so many cases to choose from. How do you go about deciding which case or situation you all highlight? It's interesting because the more we do it, the more we get connected to families. So we'll be meeting with one family and they'll be like, you got to talk to so-and-so. We're mm -hmm. like, all right, let's go talk to so-and-so. You know, mm -hmm. we don't do it just from a standpoint of like cases, you know, we also try to do cases that families don't know. Um, the second season, we really wanted to focus on stories from women mm -hmm. um, and, and hearing their stories as well. And so honestly, once we kind of set out with like the first or second of who we're going to speak with, we often get connected with other families and we're like, okay, let's give them a platform because a lot of them trust each other, but they don't necessarily yeah. trust outsiders. So once a family is like, talk to Adele and Chris, they're like, okay. Versus if me and Chris just popped up, they're like, who are you? Because they've gotten screwed over so much by, you know, different media platforms. Sure. Like sure. That. 
That is great. Yeah, that really is great. That's that doing good work. There you Thank go. You. Say their name, ladies and gentlemen. That is a podcast that you can look for anywhere and everywhere that you find podcasts. Make sure that you subscribe, listen, and check it out. Uh, thank you, Adele. And I um, look forward to having fun with you this evening. <laughs> yes, we too. We're going to have a good time. We're going to be ready, Vincent. Always. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So we're going to dive deep re- really quick and dirty and get right into our show. And I believe as I look at the clock on the wall, Dylan, we have a missive from the missionaries. Oh. So what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Vincent, we have an email. Okay. We got an email from Luna X. Hey, Luna. With a request. Okay. For Alma's Rainbow. Okay. From 1994. Hello, I'm Luna X, a writer and journalist from Atlanta, Georgia. I adore your podcast. Oh, thank you, Luna. And would love it if you would review the coming of age gem, Alma's Rainbow. Written and directed by Ayoka Chinzera. The film uh, celebrates its 30th anniversary next year. Um, Luna says that she was able to curate um, some films in Atlanta and is currently trying to get it screened, this film screened there. It is a funny, warm, joyous, and colorful film. This cast of dynamic and audacious black women light up the screen with the help of costume designer Sydney K. Innes. Shinzera is a clever, brilliant director with a perspective that is still refreshing in 2023. And she's from Philly. Mm-hmm. Hope this makes it to the podcast one day. Thanks for reading. Luna, Alma's Rainbow from 1994. Uh, are either of you familiar with this film? I've heard of it. No. You have? I've heard of it. I had actually, I, I I didn't remember the name, but when I looked it up real quick, I have seen those images before. Okay. And it is, it, it does look like one of those great indie films that came out in the mid 90s. Oh, yeah. That would very much fit in, in that pocket that you and I love. Like that kind of girl, just another girl. Girl on the IRT. On the IRT yeah, or, yeah. Or, um, or you know, even a straight out of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. absolutely, Luna, and thanks for putting that on our radar. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good looking out. All right, well, that was our missus from the missionaries, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So, we are ready to keep it moving. And now, it is time, Vincent. Is it? For the top five. All right. Top five. Who's your top five? My top five is. My top five is. Top five, ladies and gentlemen, where I come up with a list and I usually give it to Vincent to add his scintillating commentary on it. But tonight, Vincent has a partner. I do. We have Adele with him. And the two of them. It'll be a scintillating duo. Ooh, hoo. And tonight, in honor of 
Dreamgirls, which mm -hmm. we are reviewing, mm -hmm. a film that stars Beyonce, yes. arguably one of the most famous women and celebrated women in the world. I don't even think that's arguable. Very true. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> um, right. what, is, true. what is also not arguable is that the name that came out of Dreamgirls was the Academy Award winning performance of Jennifer Hudson. Yes. In a supporting role mm -hmm. as Effie. So, in honor of that, this is our top five supports over leads. Mm. Top five times when a black supporting actor outshined the lead actor in a film. Oh, interesting. See if you agree. Now, and th this has happened more often than I thought. But so I have tried to be a little selective about the, the, the five. There are some that I didn't go to one in particular because it's it's like almost on the Mount Rushmore. OK. And that would be Denzel Washington and glory. Sure. OK. Like, sure. like, OK. Yes, we know that's there. Right. All right. So this is the top five besides Denzel. Besides Denzel. B besides the tier. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The well, the one tier. The one the, tier. These are the other tiers. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. And we're going to start with number five. All right. And number five is another Academy Award winning performance. Okay. From 1990, mm -hmm. Whoopi Goldberg mm. in Ghost. Oh, yeah. Oh. Go Whoopi Goldberg was the producer's last choice Interesting. to play Odomain wow. Brown in Ghost. Um, but decision to, the decision to cast the comedian resulted in one of the smartest verdicts of the, in the production. In this romantic fantasy picture, Goldberg's unforgettable performance cloaks her castmates' work. And just to make sure, like, yes, she won the Oscar. We know Whoopi Goldberg is great. But just to be certain, I actually rewatched Ghosts this weekend. Okay. For the I, first time in I don't know how how long. Holds up. I have to be honest. The film in general holds up. Mm -hmm. I was surprised by how much it did hold up. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, there's some synth music that's 80s, you know, like, kind of puts in late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. But it actually does hold up as a romantic film. But the film, it, it, they're right. It does lose a little bit of its drive when... Whoopi is not on screen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but it it it. She's amazing in that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where are you with Whoopi Goldberg, Adele? I a hundred and ten percent agree with this because, like, I saw this movie quite a few times, and you're right. Like the scenes she's not in, they don't do well. Like I had to remind myself for a second, like who was the the love interest? I had to remember it was like um, <laughs> Patrick Swayze uh, and uh, Demi Moore. And, Demi, yeah. I was like, I had to remember it was her. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, for a second, you're like, who else was in this movie? Like, That's true. Patrick Swayze and Whoopi's energy together just played off each other so freaking well. Like, yeah, I was surprised you said it held up well. I felt like the little ending when, like, all the the little black creatures came out the ground and grabbed the old boy at the end. Oh, yeah. I mean, looked really corny. <laughs> well, yeah, some of the effects. I mean, right. you, you can't help the effects. Yeah. But but story-wise, but, you're, but yeah. you're, you're right. Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore are both very young in their careers here. Sure. But 
uh, Patrick Swayze more than holds his own alongside mm-hmm. Whoopi, and even in the scenes where he has to, you know, because he, he is the star of the film. Right, right. Um, but Demi, I think a little bit of her naivete is, it shows sure, through. Sure, sure. And, and, you know, it's a role that she doesn't have much to do. Right. But, but like true. you, Adele, I think his, um, his co- you, you know, just that camaraderie, just that, that sort of um, the relationship between he and Whoopi Goldberg is the center of the film. Yeah. 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 Great, great one. Number yeah, four. One. Number four. Number four. This one did not win an Academy Award. Okay. And I think this may be one of the bigger slights in Academy history. Okay. Uh, this is Samuel Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Right. Well, you know, that's that's kind of a controversial one, though. That's right, because although both John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson received Academy attention for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor, uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Jules Winfield Mm -hmm. definitely outshines Travolta as the star of stars. But you're saying what's the... Well, infamously, Miramax decided to push... For Jackson in the supporting right. role, because there was some conversation about whether or not they should push for him to be nominated in lead. for lead. Yeah. Because when you look um, at Pulp Fiction, he, you know, I know we, you know, oh John Travolta's the lead and and Samuel Jackson is supporting, but there's an argument to be made that Jules is as much of a lead. Well, certainly. And he is the character that has probably, you know, stood the test of time from Absolutely. that movie. You know, I don't Absolutely. Know, I don't know how many people are quoting Vinnie Vega anymore, but they're right. They're right. And Julius <laughs> Whittenfield. Right. So, yeah, that's, 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 you know, I think everyone agrees with that, including John Travolta. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Very true. Are you a Pulp Fiction fan, Adele? I've seen it a few times, you know. <laughs> Not super, but How do you I do about a perfection. Let's go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I was gonna say I agree. I thought for a long time that Samuel was like, you know, the main actor. Like I didn't think that John Travolta. I thought John Travolta was supporting. I didn't. I could see that easily. The, I think the reason why John Travolta gets some might. Give the argument to Travolta because he is in three segments of the movie. So Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson's in two. He's in the opening, and then he's really in the in the he's, close. He's, he's in the opening. He's in, of course, the, the 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 great scene in the apartment where he actually does. But that's the opening. opening, right? 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 He's um, and that continues on until when they. And then he doesn't return to the end when they return back to that apartment. Right. But that's his scene. No, like, like John Travolta is literally in the bathroom. No, I un- that scene. No, I understand that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Right. But I'm, but he's got that. He's also in the scene with um, Harvey Keitel. But you're saying that's that's still that's, that's still all part of the same all part of yeah. the same scene. Whereas John Travolta has a separate scene True. with Uma Thurman. He's got like his own little arc right. there, or right. at least part of that. Arc. Right. Oh, and exactly I would argue the, the scene in the diner is Jules' separate scene. 
Because, okay, fair enough. Because Vin, 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 Vinny's, in the, yeah, Vinny's in the bathroom. Through a lot of that. Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, we're okay. all going to be little, little, little cool little Fonzies. Yeah. I like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> oh, I love Pulp Fiction. Yeah, so. I watch Pulp Fiction. I, I find myself watching Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs at least once a year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazingly overrated. But it is a good film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Number three. Number three. This is a film, um, an animated movie. Okay. From 1994. Okay. And this might be the, 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 like, stick with me. Stay with me here. Jason Weaver mm-hmm. in The Lion King. Now, some people might be asking yourself, well, well, Jason Weaver. Go back to 1994. Go back to The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Think of the voice of young Simba. Mm-hmm. Young Simba was yeah. played by one Jonathan Taylor Thomas of home improvement fame. Mm-hmm. Right? That's who gave Simba his young voice when he was speaking. But when you think of The Lion King. Exactly. Do you really think of Simba speaking? Or do you think of how he just can't wait to be king? To be well, king, yeah. That is not Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That is, in fact, Jason Weaver. Yeah. Who sings all of Simba's <laughs> lyrics. And in doing so, totally, totally outshines Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Adele, agree with me or not? A hundred and ten percent agree. Like <laughs> I was asking someone, I watched this movie like literally last week with my children. It was like I was asking my husband, I don't know why they didn't just give Jason Weaver the whole role at this point. Like, like seriously, why do we need two two voices? Like, why do we need the speaking voice and the the singing voice when Jason Weaver was already an actor, like he could have definitely owned it because he owned all the songs. Like Lion King is, it's not a movie without his music. It's not like the music makes the film. I 110% agree with that. I actually forgot until this exact second that that wasn't Jason Weaver the whole time. <laughs> See, <laughs> like you said it and I said, oh, right. <laughs> I had completely forgotten. Exactly. <laughs> because even when they do retrospectives, when they talk about it, they just talk to Jason Weaver. That's Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, you know. So, yes. <laughs> oh, the great one. Three. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Number two. Number two. This is a controversial film. Okay. However, another. <laughs> Academy Award winning performance. Okay. From 2011, mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer mm. in The Help, which starred Emma Stone and Viola Davis in a film that chronicled uh, Skeeter Phelan, uh, Phelan as she attempts to write a book about African-American maids in mm-hmm. the 60s. Mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer, who played Minnie Jackson, mm-hmm. steals the show, launching her career, in fact, mm-hmm. as an A-list actor. Actress. In fact, Reuters said that Spencer seemingly came out of nowhere to steal this summer's sleeper hit uh, all on her own. Um, and yeah, there's some people who have trouble going back to the help. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> see, Adele raising her hand. Uh, but you, you can't knock 
Octavia Spencer's mm. performance. I'm going to do you one better. I can't go back to it because of the least surprising thing that I'm going to say tonight. I've never actually seen The Help. Really? Why would I have watched that? Not for one month. Like, yeah. As soon as I, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I'll take I never word went back it. to it. Go ahead, Adele. No, I said I never went back to it. I was like, okay. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good on this. Um, but no, I agree. I, when you were talking about it, I'm like, who else was in that film? Like, I couldn't even remember. Is it Viola Davis in Amazon? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I saw a clip in Viola Davis said, you is good and you is kind. I said, yeah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> My president is black. I don't have to deal with this. <laughs> Was they, did, were you along those same lines? Is the reason why you couldn't return to it, Adele? Yeah, I just got tired. It was like that. Then I'm like 12 years a slave. Then it was like, I was like, all right. Like, what do I benefit from this at this point? Like, I'm about to leave the movie theater angry. And then with all this pent up energy and well, d- d- no, I I did see it. I didn't see it in the theaters. I saw it like probably a year or two after it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, see, I saw it in the theaters, and then you start looking around at other people in the theater that don't look like you, and you're like, "What are you getting out of this? Like, what are this? What is this? <laughs> what what am I? The good old days." I'm like, why am I here? Okay, all right. Well, but yay for Octavia Spencer. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just celebrated, like, you know, hey, this because to me, this was the movie that put, like, like they said, Octavia Spencer on the map. Mm -hmm. And honestly, to me, it was the first movie that I really remembered Viola Davis popping as well. So, you know, see where they came from. Now, it's interesting, you know, in like going back over old TV. You know, you see Octavia Spencer and Viola Davis sure. pop up in old TV shows. Sure. Like, look at her. Sure. You know, but um, this is where they got to. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Hey, man, look. And I like Emma Stone. Look. Honey, anyway. I'm never watching it until we have to watch it for this. I'm going to have to make that sooner. <laughs> All right. You know, there may be a month where I just make you watch. We just movies. hate watch some just movies. Hate watch, we just hate watch some movies. Your yeah. birthday's in November. Yeah, so just maybe that'll be our theme so for November. So, what can we? So we can do that. The help we do. The help. Amistad. We do Amistad. Oh, <laughs> get you ready to give us free. Do Amistad. We do like Ghosts of Mississippi. <laughs> we do Ghosts of Mississippi. What would be a, what's a good fourth one? It's too bad that we've done driving Miss Daisy because that would fit so neatly. But we haven't done Green Book. And then we do Green Book. It's just like a month of hate. Just a month of seething anger. Dylan, are you writing these movies now? (laughs) There's your birthday gift. Seething anger. Seething anger theme. Month of seething anger. We can call it Burn Hollywood Burn. And I'll start every show with happy birthday, Vince. Right. Tonight, right. we're... Right. Jeez. <laughs> okay, number one. Number one. We're going to 1996. Mm-hmm. And yet again, mm-hmm. another Academy Award winning performance. Okay. And that would be perhaps this, this actor's best performance. Okay. Cuba Gooding Jr., 
Okay. In Jerry Maguire. Absolutely. From 1996. Uh, Jerry Maguire was released and became a cultural juggernaut and, to some, a classic film. It follows Tom Cruise, titular character, as he breaks from his sports agency in an attempt to sign an athlete, Rod Tidwell, played by one Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, Good. Gooding brings the jock character to life with the quippy memorable line, show me the money. Show me the money. Um, And I would argue that this is indeed Cuba Gooding Jr.'s best performance. I think he is actually as interesting that he um, in uh, Boys in the Hood, Mm -hmm. he plays the best friend of a guy, Morris Chestnut, who's about to become a football star. Right, right. And then uh, Cuba Gooding channels Morris Chestnut to play a football star. Yeah. Who, um, in in this film, and then wins an Academy Award for for his efforts. And shame to say, it's been downhill ever since for the, for yeah. the gentleman. It's a great performance. And I think part of what makes it so great is that it didn't have to be that good. Mm. Like, there was nothing about that that you could, you, you know, you don't have to stretch like you did. So the fact that he turned that into that performance is admirable in and of itself. Have you seen Jerry Maguire, Adele? Yeah, I was sitting here because when you were saying it was his best, I'm like, let me think. Because people will argue that Boys in the Hood may have been one of his, his best, I feel like. But, <laughs> like... Uh, right, he absolutely got to punch the air like um, Trey. <laughs> but no, I, I think I think it's a hundred percent correct in that. Like, I feel like overall the movie was like meh to me, but I felt like everyone didn't really have to do too much. But I feel like Cuba did kind of go a bit above and beyond, like mm-hmm. with that role. Like I believed him as a football player. Like mm-hmm. I, I believed him, like very much so. Yeah. I think he's also um, buoyed in that film by Regina King. Playing, of course. Playing his wife. Yeah. Like, and, True. you know, you're acting off of Regina. You better bring it. Right. You know? Yeah. You have no choice. So, yeah. there you go. Well, that's my top five, Vincent. That was a top level five. So, outside of Denzel, are there any other performances you can think of that I perhaps missed? I mean, I'm always going to go to Louis Gossett in An Officer and a Gentleman. Yeah, but I thought that Richard Gere was pretty good in that movie. Richard Gere's pretty good, but no one, I mean, you know, Louis Gossett is the role in that film. But it's a showy film. It's a, it's the more showier role. Yeah, you know? but, but I think sort of like Cuba Gooding, it didn't have to be that good. I don't know. I'd like, to me, like, to me, that's like, um, I, I'm drawing a, a blank on the, the actor's name, but the actor that plays the drill sergeant, Oh, Adolf Caesar. No, 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 no. I'm not even thinking about Adolf Caesar. Oh, okay. Um, but that's a, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. But I was actually thinking of the, the the person that plays the drill sergeant in Full Metal Jacket. Oh, right, right. And like how it's the more showier film role. So definitely is the one you leave that film remembering that and, um, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Matthew, Matthew, Matt, 
McConaughey, not McConaughey. Matthew Modine. Mo- Modine, Matthew Modine. He has to be more of the centered grounding force in that film. Mm-hmm. And I think to a degree, that's what Richard, du- Richard Gere is an officer and a gentleman. I mean, the film is definitely about him though. Like right. it's supposed to be his film. It's right there in the title. Okay. Yes, he's an so, officer and a gentleman. Yeah. All right, but Luke Gossett, Luke Gossett, okay, I hear you all, Luke yeah. You brought up Adolf Caesar from uh, A Soldier's Soldier Story. Story. That is a good That is a good one. Yeah. But the only reason I wouldn't go there is because that film is such an ensemble. Well, here's the thing. I wouldn't say Adolf Caesar is the one who shows up everybody in that. In that one, just to bring it full circle, Denzel. I think Denzel Washington is the one. Yeah. Where you go, who is that guy? That's true, but it but it is in the mass of that ensemble. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it, it, so it, I, I wouldn't be fair. Are there any performances you think I left on the table, Adele? None that really comes to my, my mind. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. We're going to be talking about one of the great performances as well tonight when we get into our review of Dreamgirls, ladies and gentlemen. But before that. But before that. It is time for the Game of Kings. The Game of Kings. In olden times, this is what monarchs and pharaohs would sit around and do. Six degrees of Dervell Martin. That's the Hey, oh, was he pointing? I missed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Six Degrees of Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where I have two actors that I will give to Vincent and he will have to connect them in six films or less to that other outstanding supporting actor mm-hmm. who outshined everyone in the it's 70s. Everybody. Everybody. Except Pam Greer. That would be Dervell Martin. Mm-hmm. And you have a lifeline, Vincent, and okay. Adele ready there to help. All right, Adele. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'd I love Adele's look. Like, I'm here for the review. Um, <laughs> all right, Vincent. All right. Keeping in theme. Keeping it theme. These are noted mm-hmm. black character slash supporting actors noted black character slash supporting actors yes okay number one number one in six films or less six films or less connect derville martin to brock peters oh brock peters well this is how you get to brock peters fairly quickly actually because derville martin is in guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier, who is in Porgy and Bess with Brock Peters. Well, that is just how it is done, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Look at him. Look at this man. Look at this beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Are you not Very impressive. <laughs> Very impressive, Vincent. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, they're right in the same cohort. They are. I think they probably had lunch together. <laughs> One might imagine mm-hmm. that they, they did. All right, you ready for the next one? I am ready, but I'm not going to drop my guard because I feel like this is going to be the one. Mm-hmm. In six films or less, mm-hmm. connect Derville Martin to this 
graduate of Juilliard, la dida, and ho dido, mm-hmm. one Leslie Uggams. Leslie Uggams. Well, here you go. <laughs> I'll be a little fancy with it. Oh, why don't you? Because Dervil Martin, once again, is in Guess Who's Coming to Get Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Portier, mm-hmm. who once again is in Porgy and Bess with Brock Peters. Yes. But Brock Peters is in Black Girl with Leslie Uggams. I missed that connection. <laughs> I missed that connection. I missed that connection. Very good, Vincent. Very, 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 very good. Double check that for me. That is Brock Peters in Black Girl. Let's see. That plays old girl's ex-husband. That is, in fact, Brock Peters. Okay. Yes. All right. There you go. Yes. <sighs> wow. I missed I miss that one. I, did, I was sure you were going to have to go to Deadpool. Get Go to Deadpool? Go to Deadpool with Leslie Uggams? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else Leslie Uggams is in besides Black Girl, because she really was more of 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 like a showgirl, not showgirl, but entertainer, like a singer. Yeah, kind of. In, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think she had like like a. You're right because the filmography like is relatively. Yeah, small. you know, she had like acts in Las Vegas and the, mm. you know. And I, I I didn't I didn't know that. So she was like a, like a Lola Falana. She was in that Lola Falana, Diane Carroll kind of. I have Lena a, Horn. Lena, like I have a show. Really, I like did, we gonna I go to the that. you know like we're gonna go to the casino and then tonight we're gonna put on a tuxedo mm-hmm. and go to the Flamingo Room and go see Leslie Uggams. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever see her? Was I did she? not. Yeah, I'm I not. did not because I was not going to Las Vegas in 1957. <laughs> okay, okay, she's been around for years, <laughs> yes. Vincent. Did I see Leslie Uggams? Well, I mean, How old do you think I am? Well, I thought Lena Horn was doing Las Vegas right. in the 70s. Right, right, right. So right. I figured well, Leslie Uggams. Leslie Uggams. Because Leslie so Uggams. Maybe my parents were taking me as an infant to go see Leslie Uggams. No, I'm only saying. <laughs> what are you saying about my parents? Well, you share. Let's go to the casino and take the infant with us. You share some stories about your parents. <laughs> I'm just saying. Looking at her her filmography, right? Uh, she did. You mentioned uh, Black Girl in 1972. Yes. In 1975, she does Poor Pretty Eddie. Okay, I've never even heard of that. Me neither. Yeah. You don't see her again in film until 1993. Yeah. I'm she shows up you. in Sugar Hill. Yeah. Wow. I forgot she was in Sugar Hill. Me, me too. And even then, she's in Sugar Hill. She doesn't appear in films again, a feature film, until Deadpool in 2016. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, and it's not like she's an untalented woman. No, it's not like no. she's not a name. It's not like she's, you know, if, if, if she. I mean, why is it? I I, I always wonder why wasn't she getting the roles like you know dude, Cecily Tyson? I, dude, I I think we just said it. Like, I, yeah, and I love Leslie Uggams, but if like I think Leslie Uggams is getting the phone calls after Cecily Tyson, after Diane Carroll, after Lena Horne. Like, I don't know how many phone calls Leslie Uggams is getting first. Yeah. Wow. After Lola Falana, like you named a lot of the reasons why you don't see Leslie Uggams. I would call 
Leslie Uglin before I call Lola Falana. I don't know if she's putting butts in the seats like Lola Falana. Okay. I'm look. Mm. Well, okay. All look. right. That's fair. That's fair. Lola Falana probably puts seats quicker than Leslie Uggams. Yeah, look, so man. yeah, look. I, 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 I hear look. you on that. This has been seventies and sixties multi hyphenate talk. <laughs> they're singers, they're dancers, like you know, because they had a show. Like they sing a little bit, and then you know they tell some jokes, like they had some banter with the band. Yeah, I, I get have you. banter. <laughs> you know, and sing some songs. I got, I know. get it. I get the idea right. of the show. I right. just think she should have maybe a dramatic great. monologue uh, okay. about when she grew up. I don't know if they do dramatic. You monologues. know, when I was growing up and <laughs> to when I was seventeen. Right. No, I don't right. think. Right. I don't right. think they're doing that. Like banter. No, she's not doing that. <laughs> banter. She's not. And no. then she sing a little bit. <laughs> Then like two dudes come out in tuxedos. They lift and her they, up. Right, and they do a little dance number. Dance, like like start tap dance. Just a little dance number. <laughs> you know, we do a little dance number. And then it's a show. And then like, you know, they, they tell you you can have a fish or the prime rib. But you should get the prime rib. Because the fish is real shaky. You do sound like you had a front row seat. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I would think. So, you know, <laughs> sound like you were in your stroller like, hey. Get like the prime rib and a baked potato and some cream spinach. I wasn't giving no cream spinach in Vegas. It's like cream spinach comes with the prime rib and the baked potato. Nobody wants cream spinach with no prime rib. I feel like it was some um, cream spinach. No, it's not. Kind of come with it. No. What was the vegetable? That's probably just like a, probably just a garnish or something on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No cream spinach. Not cream spinach. <laughs> no. You have like a big old hunk of cheesecake no. for dessert. And had like four martinis. And then she does a show. <laughs> then you go home to your wife's only hotel. <laughs> and go in the uh, Sammy Davis Jr. entrance. Right, the back. right, 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 right. Okay, all right. All right, very good. All right. All right. Well, that's that, ladies and gentlemen. That is Six Degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Are you glad you joined us this evening? <laughs> I am so glad. <laughs> All right. Well, without any further ado, let us get into our YouTube premiere review of Dreamgirls with Adele Coleman. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. When we first start singing together, 12. And still we get nowhere. What you need is a break. And I'm here to give it to you. You swear? If I'm lying, I'm dying. One, two, three, hit me! $400 a week to sing behind Mr. Jimmy Early on the road starting tomorrow morning. Hey, thank you so much. You're saving Jimmy's life. I'm at your feet. I'll do anything for y'all. Exactly what would you like Jimmy to do for you, baby?
miracles happen all the time, baby. There's got to be a better way for us to get our music, our artists, into a broader audience. Y'all gonna stay here and open your own act. Did you say our own act? <laughs> Effie, Dina's gonna sing lead. What do you mean? I always sing lead. We're dreaming Change. I'm talking change. I was gonna make you a star, right? We'll you can't have it all, baby. No, no, there's no way. No, 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 no way. I'm living without you. I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm you. you see me? It's time is now. But you gotta believe. A trio of black female soul singers cross over to the pop charts in the early 1960s, facing their own personal struggles along the way. Dream Girls from 2006, directed by Billy Condon and starring Beyonce, Jamie Foxx, Eddie Murphy, Danny Glover, Jennifer Hudson, and Anika Noni Rose, another hyphen it, <laughs> was film that won Jennifer Hudson in her feature film debut. Yeah, I was about to say introducing Jennifer Hudson. At an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress and also features in this stage adaptation of a well-heralded um, Broadway play, an amazing soundtrack. But the movie's got a couple of extra songs. Mm -hmm. This was the selection of Adele Coleman, our guest of the Say Their Name podcast tonight here on the Show Mission. Adele, what have you to say of Dream Girls? Well, I picked Dream Girls because we're talking about Black Music Month, and I'm like, what better than a Black musical? And I love musicals, like, absolutely. Like, I can sing this whole soundtrack. I, I won't do that to you guys, because it won't sound good, but I'll know the words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just thought that this was a really phenomenal, like, film. I thought it was casted very, very well. I think that Jennifer Hudson did her thing. I also think Anika Noni Rose, like she, she, I loved her. I loved who she, her, her role in the, in the film as well. And I, I don't know. I just, it just felt good to see a bunch of black folk, like, and what we kind of deal with. They highlighted really important moments, like the MLK, the passing of MLK, um, and then like you got to see like the dark side of the industry and then mm -hmm. also poaching of songs like mm -hmm. Cadillac. That was one of my favorite scenes because it was so crazy. Like just kind of seeing like the journey beyond like, okay, this is like a music business and you know, the inner workings of what they deal with like challenges, but also being uh, uh, run by people of color and just yeah. kind of getting replaced because of her size. Just like all the different things that kind of poured into it. I thought this was a great film. 
Yeah, it's it's a really in, incredible movie. Um, we reviewed it before and have you know lauded it rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised watching it again that you know I remember the first time watching this film and being introduced to Jennifer Hudson. And well, first of all, I remember being introduced to Jennifer Hudson on uh, American Idol. Um, Cause that's where she, though, she got her start and famously she did not win American Idol. She didn't even make it. I don't think she even made it close yeah. to the finals Yeah. Um, to, yeah. to everybody's chagrin, which definitely pointed to American Idol being BS, yes. but um, basically, <laughs> right. But I remember the first time watching this film in the, in the theater and her singing and I know when I am being touched by somebody singing because I feel flushed in my cheeks I just feel it I, I and I'm I'm just I'm captivated by what they are doing um, and it's even more so in a musical because in a musical not only do you have to project and you have to be giving the, you know the voice to this song mm-hmm. but you also still have to be present in that you are still performing you're acting mm-hmm. right so you still have to be in character and not just be singing to your to your intent you know to your heart's intent and uh Jennifer Hudson for being a first time actress mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this in this movie every time she sings she is performing she is acting some might say you know like she may be doing a little bit overacting because she is new maybe a little bit but she's selling the hell out of those songs and yeah today watching this film probably maybe for the fifth time sure sure my cheeks were still just as flushed man yeah every time she sung it just really just like took it like it captured me you know what i'm talking about I agree. I think it calls, like, I think musicals, because I love musicals, like, they have, like, a little bit of, like, corniness to them, and, like, I feel like because of that, you have to overact. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, you you know, it's not like a regular drama film right. or something like that. You have to, like, be theater for film, basically, and I really feel like that's what this, like, really accomplished. I feel like, I'm just saying, when she did, you know, her big scene, and I'm telling you, you know, you're gonna love me. I, I don't ever know the song, the titles. Um, but like when they were basically kicking her out of the group and she came bursting through the doors and they were playing with the mirrors and that last note she hit, mm-hmm. you can feel that in your chest, you feel <laughs> on your whole body. And I remember watching the movies, it was like, they don't know how to follow this. And they didn't. They literally just like the dream girls and they just posed. They had nothing, they had nothing to follow that with. How do you follow that? Like, for real. It was crazy. Yeah, she did her thing. You, you know, it's it's it. We, we we sort of alluded to it when you you know you said you kind of knew the song before you knew about where the song came from, mm-hmm. and and I think the history of Dreamgirls sort of bears that out. That That's that right. this is a song that lives on its own, and uh, I've always said she really only has one job in this film. Like you have one job, you have to do the song in a way that frankly, you don't embarrass yourself. Right. Right. Like you're going up against at this point, almost 30 years of memory of Jennifer Holiday singing. Mm-hmm. Clearly you're not going to do as well as Jennifer Holiday. Right. So don't embarrass yourself. Right. 
For Jennifer Hudson to perform this song, arguably as well as Jennifer Holliday, mm -hmm. and to perform as well as she does as an actress, mm -hmm. because I actually kind of fall between both of you, where I do think you see her, you know, basically she's a young actress. Yes. But at the same time, as a musical, when you compare her performance to everyone's performance in the film, like nobody is really that naturalistic in the film, except for arguably Danny Glover. Yeah. Who in a lot of ways, Danny Glover is almost like he's kind of wandered in yeah. from, from an August Wilson play <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> with the rest of these players, including, you know, the person who, as much as we talk about Jennifer Hudson, is it, you know, and, and we should, the person who I think really steals the film is Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Like yeah. every moment Eddie Murphy is on the scene, he just puts his hands around the throat of this movie and wraps it around him. Mm -hmm. And and I, I'm I'm always I always forget just how much Eddie Murphy is in the film. Yeah, that's true. Like, like the true. film really kind of starts right with Eddie Murphy mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. you know this wonderful moment in the in in the dressing room, and then you know this Jimmy Early character is a real through line almost to the end of the film. But mm -hmm. I I think it is a, a a really well directed film. I, I admire the the level of production of this film. Like it's a beautiful movie. It's a beautiful film. It is the 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 costumes, the cinematography. Yes, just yes, just it, it's just a level of quality to the film that, frankly, I just enjoy seeing a black cast get this exactly. type of level of production that you don't get that often. I, you yeah. know, I think, um, you know, Anika Noni Rose and, and, you know, all jokes aside, I think Anika Noni Rose makes the most of a role a where role. she doesn't have as much room yeah. to, you know, even even comparing it to this role in the musical. Mm -hmm. You know, she has a song that's cut. You don't, you, you know, that, that relationship between her character and, Lorel and Jimmy Early, you don't Jimmy. get as much of it in the film, but you know, I think she's she's great as well. Yeah, yeah, she is. She is. Mm -hmm. You're right. She has to choose her moments, find her spot, but she does. Yeah, go ahead, Adele. No, I was gonna say, I, I I think like I think that's also like I agree like with the visuals because when you were talking about it, I just was thinking about stepping to the bad side, like mm -hmm. the end of that, with like all the dancers and like their red dresses and just big production and it just it just looked so awesome like yeah how they were able to translate that in such a way and like you said you see black people you know being able to capture this moment from the dancers the singers the vocalists the aesthetics the visuals it just kind of all seamlessly like really played into each other so exceptionally well like I that, that's why that's like one of my favorite songs on that out of the movie, if I would have just heard it, I'd have been like, okay, it gets there. But when you see like how they delivered the whole thing, I'm like yeah. this is so powerful. Well, they they did an amazing job. It's really even more powerful because of the way 
it and, and it happens like this in the stage play, but of course you're able to really play with it in the in the movie. Like it moves from you know the like stepping actually into the bad side. Mm-hmm. You see them, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. going into the underworld and parlaying and 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 getting the money, and then that moving into the rehearsals for the song all along until it then you know crescendos with Eddie Murphy taking over the song in the beginning. So it moves from Jamie Foxx all the way through to uh, uh, Eddie Murphy. And that, you're right, that like set piece there, that transition is one of the more electric moments in the, in the film. I, I really appreciated it. Um, and it comes at a moment in the movie, this movie, it, it, it is a musical, mm-hmm. but for it being a musical, a lot of the mu- movie, it drives, it moves. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stand mm-hmm. still a, 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 a lot, which some musicals will do, right. you know, stand still to, to allow the performance to the performer to like, you know, just have their moment. No, this, this movie just keeps moving. It does reach a moment where I think things lull a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it, it maybe is a, a little, there's a little bit of, meat on the bones that doesn't necessarily need to be there. Um, I think mm-hmm. that it, um, you know, I think we touched on it in our original review. They definitely do some massaging of the story for Beyonce's sake. Beyonce. Mm-hmm. To, big, to big up her, her character. Um, actually put in a song uh, they cut Anika Noni Rhodes' song sure, to sure. put in a wholly new song with um, with Beyonce. I don't know if you were even aware. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know they cut Anika's song. I knew oh, they yeah. added Beyonce's song, but I didn't know they cut yeah. Anika's oh, yeah. song. Ain't no Beyonce. party. Yeah, ain't, ain't no-, no party. That's Laurel's big song. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and um and and and. and the reason why it does stand it stands out as as egregious as it does um is because not only is it this song that is not on the in on the stage on the stage play at mm-hmm. all so it's totally made up for for the movie but it's then put in the movie and filmed in such a way that this is the big this is what every you know typical musical would do this is the big moment for the star to shine and try and go for the Oscar, right. go for the lead Oscar, mm-hmm. and you can feel it. You can feel it, yeah. and 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 that reason it comes off artif- artificial. Forced, to me. yeah, yeah. Very forced. It was it was very forced. Yeah, like as soon as you were saying a lull, I'm like Beyonce, <laughs> listen. Mm-hmm. Um, like even just like that whole, I was like the second half of the movie. Like we get it. You know, she and Curtis' relationship was failing and all those things in between. But it just kind of felt like once that song came in and, you know, it we don't even see much of anyone else, like for mm-hmm. a couple scenes, you know, right. it, it became really like dull and it wasn't really moving the movie in the way that it felt like it should, you know, or at the pace it had been going. Yes. Because even as things happen, when you get the death of Jimmy and, you know, all the other stuff that comes out, that still was continuously moving, but it just kind of sat in this place where it was like, 
you know, Beyonce. Now she's going solo. Is she going to do this movie? She's in a terrible relationship. Now listen to me. It just kind of sat in that space of her in a way that didn't fit the pace of the movie overall. Like it just, it didn't match. It just kind of felt like you were trying to put a circular piece into a square. Like it was just trying to force it. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. As you can tell, Lynn and I are fans of the original musical. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think you, you have to watch slipping into that kind of fanboy pedantic, oh, it's not like the source material. But at the same time, I think that there is a critique, even within the film, where you can talk about something that I've, well, just to start at the beginning, I always thought, I always knew Dreamgirls was going to be a challenge as a film. Because from the very beginning, you know, back to the 80s when people were talking about it and and was being developed and you would hear these names that wanted to be attached to it. Famously, Whitney Houston wanted to do it at some point. And I think the, the challenge was everyone was paying so much attention to and I am telling you. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and, and through extension, this Effie character. I feel like no one ever really articulates how much Dina Jones is the real character arc in this mm. film. But for her to have an arc, you have to start at the start where Dina Jones is a creation of Curtis. Right. So mm-hmm. this whole bit that they, you, you know, they kind of pay this lip service to Oh, Dina is always on the side. And then, at, you know, at one moment when, when they actually come out, Dina's mother has this ridiculous line where she says, oh, I never thought that much of her voice when it is actually Beyonce singing as mm-hmm. Beyonce. Like there's never a moment in this film where Beyonce is not Beyonce. That's right. True. That's right. So that True. if you go by what the film is saying, that Curtis has this vision, Curtis has this dream, he's going to create this lead singer to kind of be the avatar of his vision in this dream. You have to actually create something. Right. right. And yeah. I think the film, and I actually took note of it, throughout the film, Beyonce is always standing in the middle. Mm-hmm. Beyonce is always in the foreground. There's never a moment mm-hmm. where Beyonce doesn't remind you that I'm one of the greatest singers of the last <laughs> 30 years. Mm-hmm. So this notion that that Curtis has this revolutionary idea to put Beyonce in front of people falls flat. So that when you have yeah. the, when you have the moment where the Dream Girls premiere. You don't have this wonderful kind of revelation that this yeah. person, because you've been watching Beyonce for an hour. Right, right. Right. And without that arc, it's just, you know, again, you get scene after scene of Beyonce being Beyonce, which is fantastic, but it's not Dina Jones. Dina, it's not Dina yeah. Jones. Yeah, I think that she had that challenge to go against even before the movie released because when you think of Beyonce, like we're casting Beyonce. Well, Beyonce was part of a girl group, so you know you try to go into it with a clear head to see like, okay, 
how is she going to now become Dina or whatever? But to your point, you know, even for me, I'm, I remember talking to my friends because we saw it in the movie. She's like, this is just what she did at Destiny's Child. Like, she was just leading them and doing... Like, how do you then break away from that reality when, like you said, even in her acting and going through it, it's still Beyonce just going by Dina in this in this film. It well, felt like you couldn't really break away. That's interesting you say that because I think one of the ways, and this is conjecture, but I think one of the ways the movie tries to get you to detach yourself from that reality of you know, whatever controversy, whatever the, the 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 rumors are about why Destiny's Child broke up. One of the is that the the movie never really interrogates Dina or Nika Nori Rose character about the breakup. The breakup happens, you see it happen in that big scene, and then you're left with Effie singing her big song. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the way, you there the the film is not interested in asking, well, okay, Jimmy's you know, Kurt, I think Curtis, he's gonna try and jerk over Effie by like redoing her song. Right, and, right, and, by the end. Mm-hmm, by stop mm-hmm. stop you know, stopping whatever money or fame she's supposed to get or mm-hmm. whatever. But the movie is never interested in asking the other two girls. Why are you complicit in this? Right. right what is what right. is your what is your stance on this? And I think the reason they do that is because if you don't, they don't want to have Beyonce doing scenes where she is being complicit in jerking over the other people on her in right. her group because then mm-hmm. it's very easy for people to fall into like. Just like you said, without even seeing it, people were already saying this is just what they she did to Destiny's Child. So anybody, people would just start. That would become that narrative, right? Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. then the then by the end, the movie then has to pay lip service to you know, oh, I had no idea that they were doing this to you. Right. You knew, right? Get the hell out of right. here. But even that is a right. disservice <laughs> to the character of Dina. Exactly. Like, like if Dina's yeah. going to be an actual character, and again, you actually see this in the play, where she goes from yes. this kind of yes. innocent girl to, you know, to your point, I thought, I thought you, your, your instincts were dead on. Where Act One ends with "I am telling you," because as you said, you can't follow that. But right. Act Two starts <laughs> a couple of years later. And they do a Dream Girls redux, but it's a couple of years later, and the lyrics have changed a little bit. And Dina is now more confident. Dina is now kind of basically Diana Ross. Right. Right. And so then by the end, when they have that that um they they have the, the duet, right, where they talk about you mm-hmm. my dream, where Dina says, I'm a woman now. Mm-hmm. So that to your point, if Dina, if you said, oh, yeah, I knew, but this is just the business, you have something truer to the character. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It, I do want to say a slight, a, slight, a slight pushback on your um, critique of Eddie Murphy's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you were all in on Eddie Murphy, yeah. And I'm all in on Eddie Murphy. You can see tell that Eddie Murphy is having a ball. Remember that uh, you know coming out of this, 
there was the other talk was that he was going to win yeah, an Academy yeah. Award mm-hmm. for Best Supporting mm-hmm. Actor, um, but uh, unfortunately he he doesn't. Um, and you're right, I did forget how much of that he is in this film. I think if I can be a, the, the pick a nit a little bit, I see why he didn't win it because in the moments when he is asked to act, act. Mm-hmm. He's good. He actually is very good. I, I I still remember, and it still chills me, the scene where uh, Curtis doesn't want to go for the the new the new song, mm-hmm. the, the "Peace in the Street" song, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Eddie just like immediately goes like straight back to the Aaron, and he and he cuts dude a look. Yeah. I I still see. Yeah. That. I've seen that look. To me, that's what I was like. He should have got the Oscar for that. Right. Right. But the reason why I don't think he gets the Oscar is because we just talked about how performative and still acting Jennifer Hudson is when she is singing. Mm-hmm. Eddie does a fair amount of singing in this song, mm-hmm. in, in this movie. Mm-hmm. And in the top part, he's he's Eddie Murphy party all the time, having a good time singing. Mm-hmm. It, right. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. He is. He is. Right. But at the end, his last scene his last performance when you're supposed to be at least my impression is that he's having a bit of a spiral right a Mm -hmm. bit of a a bit of a breaking down Mm -hmm. if you really just sit back and look at his performance there he's doing james brown from saturday night live Right. I think there's very strategic mm. editing on there to make it maybe try and give it some pathos. Yeah. But he basically is doing his his James Brown from Saturday Night Live all the way down to the point where he done drops his trousers. Trousers pants. And yeah. I don't think the pathos that you're meant to feel, I don't think it's lands. And I think that more so was his Academy Award winning moment. And I don't think he sticks to the landing there. I I agree. But I think that very much mirrors the musical. Like, I think when you listen to Jimmy Got Soul in the musical, it's not played with the pathos you're talking about. I think the, the incongruity comes from the change in the film that he dies from an overdose. Well, okay, that's true. So that yeah. in the musical, in the you musical. don't need all of that. Yeah, you know. So. so what happens in the musical? Nothing. He doesn't. He doesn't die. He just right. Kind of Jimmy has away. soul, and then that's you know, Laurel breaks up with him. Yeah, like more or less, like the scene, which is another great scene. Yeah. In the in the movie where, you know, Jimmy says, you know, like. You know, I, I don't need anyone. I'll always still be here. And it kind of like fades the black on him. That more or less is what happens to him in right, the play. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Which would have been a perfect crescendo, right. the curtain coming down on him. Mm-hmm. You don't need. I found the drug. I found the drug plot unnecessary. Yeah. You know, I found it very unnecessary. I, I agree. Like, because you already know, like, um, Jamie Foxx's character was using him from the get-go. So you knew it was going to be a time where eventually, like, he wasn't going to need him. You know, he's trying to make this music, and it's like, people aren't listening to this. They're not listening to funk anymore. Like, he already became this dated artist. Mm. So it made sense that he would kind of, like, fade away. You know, we mm-hmm. had those fake little 
little kid group they brought in, like it's supposed to be the Jacks Five and all that stuff. The Campbell connection. So it's like, right? And so it's like you already knew that he was kind of fading away. So to have done that is like Laurel breaks up with him and he just kind of fades away because it's not as hot or popping and no one's really checking for him anymore. That makes sense. I didn't think I didn't think the drugs were necessary either. I thought it was was very unnecessary. Yeah. Speaking of the um the 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 Michael Jackson analog, one thing that I still love about this film is is how over the years the the playwrights were always very coy about whether or not this was about the Supremes. Mm-hmm. And there's always been this back and forth of, oh, this is amalgamation of a girl group, this, that, and the other. I love how much Bill Condon as a director and the writers just lean completely into the All Diana the Ross. <laughs> and while I don't think Beyonce, I don't think she's bad in this film. Like I've seen her do work, have worse performances. I don't think she's doing anything extraordinary as an actress. But Beyonce has got her Diana Ross stuff down pat. Like her little mm-hmm. Diana Ross moves. Little, yeah, her yeah. little, I said, someone studied Diana Ross. And I, I actually really, like, I like the fact that the film said it with their chest. That this is that we're talking about mm-hmm. Diana Ross and the Supremes. Yeah. <laughs> like with the costumes and, mm-hmm. you know, you have that. Yeah. You, you have the, the montage that's basically mahogany. Yes. You know, the, the, so, mm-hmm. and so. Little Michael Jackson, so that right. made me chuckle. <laughs> no, I feel you on. I feel you on that. I also, you talked about uh, her channeling Diana Ross. I also thought, especially in her first performance, that Jennifer Hudson is channeling Aretha Franklin. That's interesting, and and I felt it immediately with the, just the way she started to move because because Aretha wasn't like a you know big dancer you know like I, I got dancers you know so and like if you look at that first performance there's a there's a reason why Effie is like no I sing lead right I ain't, got, I ain't got time for all this movement right you know right I sound like this <laughs> right I don't have right to, I don't have to, I don't have to dance I don't need to dance <laughs> right. right I sound like this. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So I thought she was channeling like a, a little bit of Aretha Franklin, a, a little bit of uh, in her attitude, you know. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, and uh, and actually, I thought that was actually kind of profound because Jennifer Hudson has talked about how much Aretha Franklin has meant to her, sure, as like a motivation, and then as a mentor, and you know how privileged she was to, to play her. So I thought that was kind of cool to see that right there from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Adele. I'll... Yeah. Here is the million-dollar question. Uh Uh-oh. In 2023, would you recommend that people watch Dreamgirls? I would, absolutely. I think it's definitely worth seeing. I think it's, you know how we were talking earlier about the what you guys are doing in November with all these sad and depressing movies that you're going to check out. I feel like it's good to have other movies that show the other side of black creativity, mm-hmm. not just something that's just like a slave movie or even like action. I feel like I, like I said, I love musicals. So I was so excited to see this because it showed black folk just doing the thing in a musical in a different way that we, I wasn't used to seeing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, before this, what did I see? Rent, 
Like we're we're not in that movie. Um, so it's like it's it's, it's good to kind of see all these different roles kind of play out and deal with things like directly within our community that you know they put into a musical. But it's like amazing actresses. Like I like I said, I love Jennifer Hudson's performance. I love the Nika and I loved everyone. I thought um, I thought it was just a very well selected and intentional cast. Like, mm-hmm. I really, really do. And even now, I'm just watching Anika Doni Rose. Like, what is she about to do next? Like, where, where is she going from this? Like, Princess and the Frog is always on rotation in, in this house for my girls. Like, just seeing the evolution now of these artists, even Jennifer Hudson. And now she's, you know, now she's an EGOT status. Like, yeah. what? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been coming up from this. It's, it's just amazing. So I definitely would, you know, represent, suggest that people check out this movie. I think it's a really good film check out what about you vincenzo oh absolutely absolutely i I think this is is uh, again just the sheer quality on the level of production Mm -hmm. is admirable and worth celebrating i i think there are some really good performances in here um you know i mentioned danny glover looks like he wandered in from an august (laughs) wilson play but i like him Mm-hmm. I like him mm-hmm. in here. You know, obviously we've talked about Jennifer Hudson. I think this is the best straight ahead acting Eddie Murphy has ever done. And he hasn't come close to this until Dolomite is my name. Yeah, and I agree. These are really the two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the music obviously is fantastic. Any sort of nitpick, and it really is a nitpick that I have about Beyonce, you know, it, it's a great nitpick if what you're saying is she can sing. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. just for the music, just for her performances, it's it's fantastic. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll make it three for three, ladies and gentlemen. Um, what are you wasting time looking at us? Go and go watch Dreamgirls from 2006. If you've seen it before, watch it again. Uh, and it's yes. a film I do think that rewards, you know, you can watch it one time for the music, mm-hmm. watch it one time for this for the scenery, for the set dressing, watch it one time for the performances, um, and just really like languish in this very beautiful period piece. Um and like Adele said, it is absolutely fantastic to see black people uh Shining magnificently, you know, visually as well as creative, uh, creatively on screen. Um, so yeah, Dream Girls. I'm I'm all there for it. On the Pantheon, because it re- reminded me, there's been quite a few movies about music groups. Sure, right? Sure, a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Where does the Dream Girls stand on the Pantheon? Now I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you mine. I I, I don't necessarily like have a pantheon, mm-hmm. but I think Dreamgirls it, it rewatching it, and and I know everybody capes for capes for Sparkle. Yeah, but absolutely. I, but I'm definitely a, a whole package type of guy. Mm-hmm. So as much mm-hmm. as I love Sparkle, I, I do enjoy Sparkle. I don't think Sparkle <clears throat> matches, you know, production wise with this. Sure, it, of it course just, right. it can't. Um, but I think Dreamgirls is probably to me number two 
right behind that thing you do. The Tom Hanks movie. Oh, you're just bringing in. Bringing I'm bringing them all. All, all the bringing them all in. <laughs> but but you're talking about groups. Yeah, yeah. Not not like just singers because those tend to be just biopics. My, I, I I I actually love that thing you do. But I think that thing you do really focuses on the drummer character, obviously, and arguably the lead singer. Like it's really their film. Whereas I'm gonna go with the five heartbeats. As as my five heartbeats, I think is my number one. Yeah. I think five heartbeats is my number one. If I can't choose the Temptations miniseries. No, you can't choose them. All right, so that right. You know what's funny is I didn't realize that was a miniseries. I thought that was a movie. Like until fairly recently. They were like, that was a lot of people think. Series. Yeah, a lot of people like that. <laughs> it sounded like you were you were you co-signing with him, Adele. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I would I would agree. I would say Dreamgirls is like top top two. Sparkle. It just felt like something was missing for me in Sparkle. I don't know what. Like it just felt like it's like almost there. But yeah, I don't think all and, of the performances gel. In, yeah, in like just yeah, like it was just a little off. But I would definitely say Dreamgirls is like my top, the top two. See, yeah. I knew everybody's going to cape for the five heartbeats, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, you got to. I like the five heartbeats, I do. But it, and I guess it 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 was more because I am an all production, the whole production type of guy. Five heartbeats production wise does not stand up to. This I mean, film. but but the, but, but it's a Tom Hanks film. Basically. But I'm, I'm saying it doesn't it doesn't stand up to to Dream Girls. It doesn't stand up production wise to Dream Girls. And I'm talking production wise, not just okay. Yes, the of course Beyonce, so it's going to have more of a budget, so it's going to look better. Yes. So, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about just the the directing. I'm talking about the writing. It's it's that much better. And and even then, if you want to break it down on the performances. Five Heartbeats has some good performances. Yeah. It does. I would contend that Dream Girls performances, I, I think the, the overall, they're better performances in better. Dream Girls than yeah. Five Heartbeats. I think Five Heartbeats is more of an ensemble, though. Like, I think Green, Dream Girls has performances that kind of just stand on their own. Mm-hmm. And whereas the five heart, well, it's an ensemble. Like these characters actually bounce off of each other. Hmm. You know, Dream Girls, you kind of pull out Eddie Murphy, you kind of pull out Jennifer Hudson, and now what? I got Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's noteworthy <laughs> that we just spent almost an hour talking. We haven't about really met Dream Girls. I was like, I'm like, who? <laughs> right. We didn't even really mention it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Look. Look. I, I I see that I I I acquiesce. Yeah, you know it's your own list. Yes. Let us know what you think, ladies and gentlemen. Um, where would you put Dreamgirls on your pantheon of music group films? But while you're doing that, make sure that you check out "Say Their Name," available where all podcasts are. And check out this great work that's being done by DCP Entertainment and Adele Coleman. Adele, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. <laughs> well, good. Oh, we're glad you liked it. We we appreciate uh, you having taken the time to sit with us and and review films. And uh, hopefully, you'll honor us with your presence again uh, somewhere down. Of line. course, I would love that. This has been awesome. And if anybody wants to get in contact with you, maybe hook up on you on social with you on social media or wherever. How should they? Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at I am Adele Coleman. It is spelled A D E L L instead of A D E L E. It's two L's, one E. So I am Adele Coleman on all social media platforms. All right, excellent. She is Adele Coleman, ladies and gentlemen. I am. Thank you, Adele. <laughs> Take care. Good night, Adele. Thank you. Good night. I invite you all to follow the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. You can go to MichelleMission.com and hit swag and check out all of the cool designs that we have for your buying pleasure by way of a good friend to T Public. And clearly like this t-shirt that I've got on right here. Um, one thing that you can't get on our T Public uh, school store is you can't get these cool sneakers. Look at look at these, look at these. These sneakers which have an ice cream motif, ice, uh, ice cream sundae motif, were designed by my my beautiful 14-year-old niece, Simone. Ooh. And she has her own line, Sim One. And we'll put a link where you can check out all of her d- designs uh, in our show notes. Very nice. Right? Yeah, it's very cool. I like, and they're comfortable. Yeah. They're real comfy. I, I like them. I got like three more pair at home. All right. All right, the Michelle Mission. If you want to follow us, we're available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Any social media of your choice at Michelle Mission. You can also subscribe to the Michelle Mission on YouTube. Follow us on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. That's where you're watching us. Subscribe. Hit that bell so you're uh, noted and told every time we put a new video up at YouTube.com/slash Michelle Mission. You can always email us your thoughts. Send your missives from you, you missionary, to michellemission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-D-O-L-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Or why don't you leave us a voicemail? (laughs) Ring it up. 215-867-9666. Tell Vince and Len what are on your mind. The Michelle Mission is also a proud member of The Podglomerate thepodglomerate.com they make podcasts work such as ours which streams to you every Tuesday night at 7pm from the video content factory It does Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace go to videocontentfactory.com that's thevideocontentfactory.com and reserve your time right now. Can't reserve this studio, but they've got other studios that can be yours for your podcast. All right. Next week is July 4th, ladies and gentlemen. It is. And we won't be here. We'll be celebrating our own independence. <laughs> yes. Independence from these chairs. Yes. yes. Um, but we will be returning on July 11th. Mm-hmm. And we will have a very special guest. Yes. And we will be doing another YouTube premiere. Yes. Right here. And this guest will be live in studio. As 
Vincent and I are very pleased to welcome our good friend and one of the contributors to the Class of 1989 podcast, mm-hmm. Maori Holmes yes. of Black Star Film Fest. Yes. Will be joining us on Tuesday, July 11th, when we review The Best Man. Mm-hmm. Right here from 1999, ladies and gentlemen, making a YouTube premiere, The Best Man with Maori. We probably will start talking about The Best Man Holiday. Sure. The final chapter. Sure. It's everything Best Man sure. with Maori. Sure, sure. In two weeks. We can. We talk about how from the very beginning, Harper was a terrible person. And it never stopped. He mm-hmm. didn't get no better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember the guy on YouTube talked about Nia Long played terrible people and you didn't t- think about it because it was Nia Long. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing with um, Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs. Like, because it's Tay Diggs, you know, they. but Harper was actually a terrible a person. terrible person. And we'll be talking about it mm-hmm. with Mayori in two weeks here on The Michelle Mission. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network. <laughs>